Stupid fucked up, wicked high Don't you ever just wonder why We didn't learn the true history But now they're about to teach you and me Aren't you supposed to say that too? Oh, <laughs> let's say it together. Ready? Okay. Hello, Hello all. My name is. Liv. <laughs> and I'm her co-host. <sighs> Abby. Oh, and this is the pilot episode <laughs> of Untold History. A podcast where we tell you shit you never <coughs> learned in history class. And neither did we. It's time to tell you some stories we found online. While being extremely high. All of you listeners are new listeners because this is our first episode. It's the pilot. Yes. So basically premise, I would say we're feminists. All of us. I would consider myself a feminist. Yes, extremely. So back history, we went to college together. We developed lots of skills where we paid lots of money for them. I was going to say we paid lots of money for those skills. For terrible Um, skills that we barely use now. But but we we both majored in theater, which is what brought us to the podcast world in this era of uh, weirdness, a.k.a. A pandemic. I think that's general enough to talk about. Oh, yeah. Discuss. Oh, yeah. Because um, no matter when people listen to this, they're yeah. going to go, like, the pandemic. Right, right. And live theater has kind of fizzled out. Yeah, I would say so... this is a lot more, been a lot more involved now with the podcast world because you can't go to a theater or a venue for music or literally any other form of art. You know how I think I know that podcasts are really the shit? It's, and I hate to admit it, my mother and my mother and I talk about really? podcast recommendations no now. Way. Literally She's every at that level of like talk. millennialism. Dude, right? yeah. She just wants to relate and she wants to recommend everything that she's listening. She wants to Is it good stuff? Do you listen? It's good stuff. She I just got her on to MFM. My oh, favorite yep, yep. Which I do fantastic. Have to say they are the reason I found this topic. Oh, hundred okay. Yeah. Because nice segue. Yeah. So Excellent. yeah. No, so basically they were the reason, which we can just like jump right in okay. because I listened to them religiously and they're was one episode where they were covering the disappearance of this woman named Madeline Murray O'Hare. Who, that was and, pretty recent. Yes, yes. I yes, just listened to that. Yes, okay. We'll yes. find. I do shot. remember what it was because it's my favorite number, 222. So oh, two is my favorite number. And it was episode 222, which Excellent. that's why this was meant to be because it like, that's my fucking favorite number. So oh, I remember yeah. the episode. The woman and she, like her, her son and her granddaughter, which I'll get into later, disappeared basically and got murdered. And she was an atheist. So then I was like, oh my God, let's look into this. And then I find out that there's this whole like separate section of atheism and feminism where they're like linked together and it's atheist. So they coexist as one philosophy? Yes, it's like okay. atheist feminism. That's 
like the terms. So basically the whole premise of it is it talks about saying that there's like women's suffrage and women's rights and all these ways against women are based on religions and the reasonings and teachings of religion. Mm -hmm. That women are suppressive, that women are supposed to not wear clothing that shows their body and all this shit that basically are oppressing women. So then atheists started realizing that like, hey, not only is like God kind of made up that all these <laughs> things are just, like these people are just making up all these little rules right. about women because like, fuck it. Who knows why not? Because we've always just been shit on. Right. So you're lives. saying there was clearly a cross section of ideals that led yes. people who were either feminists and people who were atheists realized, oh my gosh, we have similar lot, values yes. well, and, and we can intersect these beliefs. Well, and it was so interesting. So we'll start at the beginning about atheism. So preface, Wikipedia is my fucking favorite. They're amazing because people People can correct each other. It's just this like free forum <laughs> where you just like get to figure out people's shit, but also be like, you're fucking wrong, Amen. which is acceptable here. Like give us criticism. But basically, so atheism has been around since like seventh, like sixth century, seventh century BCE. So like, oh my God far the fuck back because there was always these people who had different colonies and all these little things that people were noticing that they weren't doing any special type of ceremonies or worship or you know anything like that they mm -hmm. just like didn't believe in God but that doesn't mean they believed in the devil no correct? no okay. it's no so a atheism is not that you believe in the devil or God or anything it's just that you do not believe that there's a higher power Gotcha. And that there is something that needs to be worshipped for you to get a happy ending, pretty wow. much. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically the in my mind. Of Obviously, that's agnostic. not that's not a dictionary description. Right. That's just like because the more I learn about atheism, I would have to say I think that's where I fall. Where I understand religion, and a big part of atheism is like taking Art. theology and learning about religions. Because the point of theology and learning about religions is to understand that religion is a man-made. Concept. Right. Religion is not something that was here before us. We created it. Right. So it's just this really interesting thing that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And people, okay, see, now I have to get back in because I'm just like going down the rabbit hole because this is what happens when you're high. So you got it. You got yeah. It. Oh, I'm going. I'm going. So basically, that's my little tangent. Atheism, cool, whatever. So basically, it's been around for a long fucking time. And fast forward a couple hundred years, and we have all these large groups that are starting to like figure it out. So in like the 1600s, in France, there's this guy named Spinoza, Locke, Hobbes. They started writing all these books, but not really using the term atheist or atheism. They would call it free thought or free thinking. And that was the term that people used back then. They were just like, oh, all this stuff about free thought. They never mentioned the church because, of course, if you mention the church mm. or the clergy, mm. you get murdered. So basically, these guys, which, of course, I'm sure there were many women, like, even before these guys, because obviously women rule the world, but they were the ones that were noted at first that they started writing all of these books and having all these sermons and all these talks. And this woman who's like an atheist feminist is Annie Laurie Gaylor, which she's like a big woman in this field. But of course, I got a lot of this information from her because she did a speech somewhere when she was releasing her book. I don't remember the name of it offhand, but it will come to me eventually mm -hmm. and I will tell you. Okay. But she wrote a book and then she like founded all this foundation and she did this big 
speech. She was saying that these books were this pivotal point in these beliefs where people were able to kind of read that and go, oh, wait, that makes a lot of sense. Right. That really makes a lot of sense. Then ladies started hearing about it and they were like, wow, so I'm like wearing a corset and not owning land and not going to church, Mm -hmm. you know, not going to get some education all because the church, because the Bible, because all these places. Right. The clergy is saying, I can't. Right. And all these ladies are starting to be like, well, that's fucked up. No, not happening. So they were just like, yeah, I could die, but I'm still going to fucking go after this anyway. Because preface, around this time, millions of people in Europe were getting murdered because they were thought to be witches. So yeah, so even during this time, all these women, you literally say the wrong thing or look at someone wrong and they're like, you're a fucking witch. So these women in all this hard time still did a bunch of shit about it. They all stood up and they were like, Yeah, we don't fucking care. This is wrong. Women rule. Now I'm just going to start going through some history of some of the ladies that were just like pivotal turning points in this like atheist feminism role and women's rights and suffragists and all this cool stuff. This first woman, Anne Hutchinson, she has a monument of herself and she's like one of the first atheists and suffragists and stuff to like have a monument. But she just said, you know, fuck the beliefs of the church. Like, I'm going to do what I want. Mm -hmm. And at the time in her village, all these men would get together and, like, hold man services. Because, like, women aren't allowed. Mm -hmm. Like, blah, blah, blah. So Anne was like, "Hmm, well, I'm going to hold women's services where men aren't fucking allowed. And I am going to go through the Bible and tell you every part that's wrong. And tell you every part that is, like... Not okay. And suddenly all these ladies were like, you are so right. And her gatherings were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And all these people were hearing about them. Then people got real pissed, real pissed. And they basically banished her, excommunicated her, and delivered her to Satan as an American Jezebel Mm. and said goodbye. Like, get the fuck out of our, like, little homestead. But then she just went and created her own colony. And she started the first civil secular government in America, which was so cool that, you know, just way back in the day, women were still like, you know, we gotta have separation. Right. (laughs) Like, of some beliefs, people. Well, right. And you have to lean into that separation because it's Mm -hmm. not going to be accepted. Yep. Yep. Ever. Ever. She ended up getting the nickname the first rebellious foremother because she didn't give a shit what men said and did whatever she wanted. And she went on to like do a lot of awesome things with like secular governments and it was great. Lived a good life. Great. So then there was this Mary Wollstonecraft. Okay. Who, Wollstonecraft. Yes. It is something wow. fierce because she's a fierce lady. And what did she do? She wrote a lot of books about advancement on women's rights. So she would argue that women aren't naturally inferior to men, but appear to only be that way because their lack of education. The men are making the women inferior by not giving them the same opportunity. Oh my God! She just wrote a bunch of books, also had a bunch of affairs with whoever the fuck she wanted. She's a free woman. And then she decided that her town sucked. So she just traveled around the globe and like preached women's rights and like went in and just like fucked shit up. Did she do a similar thing that the other one did in terms of dissecting the Bible? No. What she would do is she would go in and she would give talks and speeches about women's rights. Oh, okay. So more on a feminism side, less on an atheism side. I see. And unfortunately, she died very early. So she was only 38 when she died and yeah, she ended up dying of this thing. Well, I guess that was kind of old back then. Yeah. And she had this thing that happened during childbirth, which was... 
her, like, placenta, like, exploded or something and got infected. And then she got, like, this thing. Yes, this, like, thing. Terrible. Terrible. So the shit we go through for children, like, remember that all the male listeners. Like, come on. Okay. I had to put this in there. I couldn't stop myself. Fun fact. Her daughter that she died while giving birth to yes. is the author of Frankenstein. Like the original Frankenstein? Yes. What? Yes. Which I was like. That's and cool. You want to know the sad thing? I had to think. And I was like, Frankenstein was written by a woman? Because yeah, I guess I didn't really. I didn't know that. Then after her, this is where things really kind of started to blur together. So that's where there was the people dissecting the Bible, the people really fighting for women's rights. And mm-hmm. then that's when things started trickling down and going, oh, wait, this there's a lot in common here. Like we are. Like, this is reminding me a lot of like back in this era. I mean, I'm mainly talking about like the early 1900s. Yeah. when women had to choose whether they wanted to be part of the black revolution yep. or part of the female revolution. Yes. And yes, you couldn't yes. physically dedicate your life yeah. to both because yeah. it was so demanding. Yeah, yeah. And like that's something where there's so many fights have so much in common that like think how strong we'd all be if we all banded together. And you know, and I get it that it's hard because you need to really have like a forceful movement, but at the same time, like there's a lot of people dealing with like two or three things that they could be fighting for because there's so much inequality and so many issues. This is when women in both groups started realizing that, and and a lot of the times you talk specifically of Christianity just because it is happening a lot in Western society, but atheism is in every religion, not just Christianity. It's just that this happened to be like very Christianity based. Though all the women from Europe and the U.S. were thinking like specifically Christian, since that was the predominant Western religion, Mm -hmm. was like the leading cause of oppression. And women started realizing that they were like, the church is the reason that we are in this situation. Then that's when they started saying, we're not just free thinkers. Like, we're not just going to like have this thought. We're going to fucking do something about it. So then that's when like all this stuff started happening. So this woman, Frances Wright, she was a Scottish heiress, by the way, which is super cool. Yeah, I have a picture of her. Yeah, so look at those curls. Wait until you see, like, can I zoom in on Ernestine's curls? They're something something else. Like, look at those. Those are, those are some things. Frances, she was the first woman to talk about mixed audiences. So even at this time in like the 1700s, mm-hmm. you could not gather men and women together. Oh, okay. There would be men's gatherings and then women's gatherings, even if it was the same public announcement. There would yeah. be two separate gatherings. And Francis was the one that was like, or they were called promiscuous assemblies. That's what they were called. When right. Because if men and women are gathering, it's just it's, has to be an orgy. Yeah. Right? Like a I straight mean, up orgy um, in the town square. She was kind of like, why the fuck can't we all stand next to each other? Like, it's not that hard. We're just standing here. Right. I think it's and we're okay. all receiving the same information. <laughs> yes. But I think that was the big thing, that it was mixed. Because the men would be told something different right. than the women. Right. Because women are dumb. So we can't know. So she fought a lot for women's equality, openly just like talked out against the clergy and religion. And a lot of women in like later on in this field looked at her as a trailblazer kind Mm -hmm. of. So the leading, the one who really made a significant difference with women's rights and like kind of leading them down a path of like what they need to be doing. The clergy, of course, named her a harlot of infidelity. Mm, Classic. And this is what she said when they told her that. Turn your churches into halls of science. Exchange your teachers of faith for expounders of nature. And then she just went and bought a church in New York and made it a science hall. After her, there was Ernestine Rose. So she 
was born in 1810, and she was brought up in Judaism. And her dad was actually the local rabbi of their town. And yes, so she did not want to be Jewish. She didn't want to practice Judaism. She wanted to just like be a free thinker, whatever. And her dad was like, not to hell, you are going to be a free thinker. And he Mm -hmm. just like married her off to the neighborhood boy. Literally like the neighbor boy. She's like, he's like, you're married now. I married you. Cool. You have to be Jewish. Like you can't. Yeah. So she was just like, nah, no, not happening. So she... (laughs) She was not fucking about it. Yes. (laughs) Like, like, who wants to be married after some neighborhood kid? Nah. So she... But she knew she wouldn't win because not only is her dad the rabbi, he's also the judge, jury, executioner of the the whole fucking town. Nobody should have all of those titles. I know. So she just went to the next town. She just literally, like, traveled to the next town, went to that clergy people, whatever, and Mm -hmm. pled her case and she won, which was super exciting. Yeah. So then she was like, fuck you all and went to England and she was one of the founders of the British Atheist Organization or like the Association of All Classes and of All Nations which just like called for basic human rights for all people regardless of sex, class, color, or national origin. And that is still a foundation today. So she like founded this Amazing foundation. Fuck yeah. Yeah, which is super cool. And then after she did a bunch of cool shit there, she went to America. Could you not? A year later. So she did all this shit, opened a foundation organization, did all this stuff in a year, went to America, and then found out that there was this judge, Thomas Hurdle, that was trying to get a like petition passed or a property act passed, which would allow women to own property. Okay. And he was trying to get that passed and she heard about it and she's like, fuck yeah. And single-handedly petitioned and got enough signatures to get it to be passed. She just like came up and was like, yeah, that sounds fucking cool. And just like oh my used God, her. That's dope. Yes. And it got passed. And that was like one of the first things. Think about 1830s. It's so long ago. That's like when they were finally like, yep, women, women can own property, I guess. They can have like a piece of land to themselves. Yeah. Like, no big deal. So, of course, obviously, she opposed the Bible. She claimed that human rights and freedom of women were predicated upon the laws of humanity mm-hmm. and not the Bible. So they <laughs> she so her words. They do not require the written authority of either Paul or Moses. <laughs> yeah. And when your minister asks you for money for missionary purposes, tell him that there are higher and holier and nobler missions to be performed at home. Holy so shit. yeah, a lot of these people back in the day, like eloquent, like she went on to say, when he asked for colleges to educate ministers, tell him you must educate women and that she may do away with the necessity of ministers so that they may be able to go and get some useful employment. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, she don't give a fuck. Like, straight up, just saying that to literally the person that runs the town. She's like, fuck you. Fuck you. She also, that following year, so three years now, she's done all this amazing shit. She then does a 13-week straight debate for women's rights, the abolition of slavery, equal opportunities for education, and civil rights. 13 straight weeks she debated about all those topics. And then she, of course, attended national conventions, and she just did a bunch of debates, conferences, and, like, did a bunch of speaking tours 
around the whole U.S. fighting against religions, which is really awesome. And then a big thing. So she was really able to blend the vision of atheism and, yes. and feminism. Yep. Okay. And that's why she's such, I think, a pivotal moment because she was the one that really brought everyone out of the free thinking. That whole time was just to get above the idea of like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no to my church. Mm-hmm. Like, think about generations upon generations were bred to be like, you fucking love the church. Yeah. God's real. He will strike you down yeah. with lightning and murder your family. So I think that whole free thinking was getting that idea in their head. Mm-hmm. And then when Francis came along, she was like, Oh, you're all on board? Let's go. Let's go. Like, let's right. get she this shit. She had an army behind her. Yeah, already. Like, yeah. she came in and she's like, damn, you all are doing the work. And mm-hmm. you came and you're ready, which is awesome. She did that shit her whole life up until the age of 82. So then this is where, and I'll touch on it in a little bit, but this is where some like things get really like weird because people start taking a very conservative approach and then people start taking a very liberal approach. Then it kind of gets a little muddied and then like gets back at the end. Basically, this woman, Susan B. Anthony, which I'm sure we have all learned about, right? I would really hope so. Jesus, are you asking me that? Yes. I learned about her. You did? Yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't I know I grew up on the East coast so like i'm getting well all this happened in the east coast so that's that's why i think that's why you learned about it asking you if you i really don't think her name sounds familiar and i feel like she she got like that little bottom did you know paragraph in the history book like i i honestly think that was it i don't think it was a lot and then this woman matilda Jocelyn, I'm assuming it's Gage, and Elizabeth Caddy Stanton. So they like kind of split up and a couple of them found the American Women's Suffrage Association. And then the other couple founded the National Women's Suffrage Association. So Okay. Exactly. So I was like, really? And then eventually they end up merging and it becomes this big thing. But it was just like real clever guys. Like, Mm -hmm. come on. Basically, Elizabeth Caddy Stanton and then Matilda Jocelyn Gage, they had a really long lasting impression on feminist atheism. So Elizabeth wrote an article which is really well known just talking about how religions have taught the headship and superiority of man and the inferiority and subordination of women. Whatever new dignity, honor, and self-respect the changing theologies may have brought to man, they have all alike brought humiliation to women. She basically thought that religion was made to belittle and keep down women Mm -hmm. and to really suppress us in a way where we can't do what we want because who knows why if you know why please tell me why because i don't know why she straight up thought religion was a mental delusion so she thought that if you believed in religion you were like delusional and that you needed to free yourself from the thought by becoming educated and learning about it she opposed the 14th and 15th amendments and she thought it was really unjust that men could vote and women were denied the opportunity so she had a big long speech in washington dc where she spoke up about it and actually was like a leading reason that things changed a little bit. She basically is just like, the male element is a destructive form, stern, selfish, androgenizing, loving, war violence, conquest, immoral world, alike discord, disorder, disease, and death. So basically, she believes that men are like the disease on the world. Mm -hmm. Basically, she just says that we need to do better and be better, and we need to have like equally educated men and women in the world and la la. Absolutely. This is Matilda. 
Matilda. Excellent. Yeah, she is a straight Such up. Such a looker. Yes, she's like a badass. All these women, when I looked at their pictures, they have such a side eye that it's like, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> Matilda was another big name in women's rights and atheism. She ended up taking things one step further. Okay. So basically, a conservative side of the movement and there's a non-conservative side of the movement, okay. which caused some, that's what I ba- said a little bit earlier, right. is that it caused the women to be in disagreement. And I don't know why that was a thing, but it was. Well, National. when you mean like conservative side of the movement and non-conservative, so there's so, liberal parts of the movement, which believe that women are the end-all be-all. And then there's, like in, I'll reference the new show, Miss America on Amazon. Have yes. you seen it with Kate Blanchett? No, I have not yet. No. Watch it if you can. It's wonderful. But that's the one. Woman who believes in feminism but still believes in being at home for her man. She is a wife. She is a mother. Yeah. You can still be these things and be a feminist. So that's the non convert right? Is that yeah. what you're no, referring well, to? It's more so that, I guess, conservative in the fact that they were very narrow-minded. I see. So that was the issue. So both were fighting essentially the same cause. Essentially, they were fighting fighting overall women's rights. So I abbreviated it, the NAUSA. So basically the national suffrage one was more narrow-minded and focused just on the right to vote. And that's where they really honed in, where the just the American one wanted to be broader and look at the right to vote, the right to own land, the right to free speech. And the the separation of church and state. Yes. I see. Yes. The separation of church and state. That makes more sense. With basic human rights, and just women's human rights. Matilda was not about any of the bullshit, so she decided to start her own organization. She just basically said, fuck you all that are fighting about this. I'm going to start the Women's National liberal union. They were very radical and very liberal. So she was an avid opponent of the Christian church as controlled by men, having analyzed centuries of Christian practices as degrading and oppressive to women. So she saw Christian church as central to the progress of men subjugating women. Got it. A process in the church doctrine and authority were used to portray women as morally inferior. An inherently sinful. Yes. 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 So basically it's it's pretty much saying the church is that no matter what you do, you you are always in sin. Mm-hmm. It's the wim- the women that are in mm-hmm. sin, not the men. The men don't do anything wrong. Never. Uh, she strongly, strongly supported the separation of church and state and believed that the greatest injury to women arose from theological laws that subjugated women to men. This woman had a term named after her. We didn't learn anything about her. So in 1993, scientific what? historian Margaret W. Rositer. Yeah. I don't know what she did, but she was a historian. Okay. She coined the term the Matilda effect. Oh. After Matilda Gage. I mean, I've never heard of that, but exactly. it sounds like something I should know Yes. About. To identify the social situation where women scientists inaccurately receive less credit for their scientific work. Ew. Yes. Then an objective examination of their actual effort would reveal. The Matilda effect is when you get less credit on something because you're a woman, which is the opposite of, I also didn't know this was a thing, the Matthew effect. Okay, what? So there's a Matthew effect and a Matilda effect. The Matthew effect is apparently really famous in 
scientists, like the scientist world, it's where they're overly credited for new discoveries. So if you were someone that found out something and then they just like freaked the fuck out and thought you found all, all this other shit mm-hmm. and they would overcredit you and put you in a bunch of newspapers and right. give you a bunch of money. Which they would, would happen. I do have good stuff to say. Yes. They would call that the Matthew effect. So now if you're following the timeline, we where are, where are we at? Right at the 1900s. Okay. So right in the prime of the women's movement because we are still not allowed basic human rights even after 200 years, more than 200 years fighting. Yes. And this is when the official term of atheist feminism is born. Okay. It technically was not a thing until the 1900s. The specific term believes that religion is a prominent source of female oppression and inequality, along with the belief that many religions are sexist and oppressive towards women. All those people I talked about, all those women, they never really had a term for them. They were just like, that girl Matilda, you know? Well, they were just women who didn't fit in any specific box. Yes. Right? So yes. they were women who stood for multiple things, including feminism, including the atheism yep. movement. So it's like, yep. where do you classify? And if we can't classify them, how can we teach about them? Yep. Because we can't put them into a neat little box yeah. where we can teach everyone about them. Why would we ever teach mass children about atheism or feminism. That's not okay. That's not what we touch on. We touch on suffragists, but still, even then, you don't know that during that movement, the black movement's happening and the atheism movement's happening and all these other crises and wars and all these other things are happening. Exactly. You're not taught about the simultaneousness of history and that's Uh the disturbing part. I'm not sure if it was just too new, you know, or the men thought the women were possessed by the devil. Yeah, I don't know why it was never... Oh, just a casual case of devil possession. <laughs> oh, that happens every other day. That's why we just kill all these people and throw them in the lake. So no one writes, obviously, about the amazing accomplishments of women. And back when it was just the free thinkers, it was looked at as, oh, yeah, you're a free thinker and you just disagree with the church. But it's all it's just a really nice disagreement. It really wasn't until, you know, think about it 50, 60 years ago in the 1950s, 60s and 70s that women really started questioning the religious norm that they were trapped in Absolutely. and making movements to fight kind of against these restrictions. Obviously, we all remember the 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s. There was lots of protests about like women. I don't remember and- them. I was born in the 90s. What? Oh, I guess I remember hearing about them. <laughs> I was more in the 90s, too. I'm like, dude, no, I'm not. I but remember wasn't. hearing about them. Like, our parents oh, lived yeah. through that That's shit. very true. That's right. Yeah. So then now we're in the early 60s, and this is where we wrap back around to Madeline. Murray O'Hare, who I talked about at the way, way beginning, if anyone is following us. Madeline decided to sue Baltimore public school system because the public school made it mandatory to recite prayer every morning and read the Bible. Right. Public school in the 60s, people. Well, also, I did in high school, I had to do the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Exactly. Indivisible, God, whatever the fuck it was. Madeline did some shit for that. Okay. So she put her son into school. She sued the school because she was like, 
stop making my kid learn religions that he doesn't have a choice over. And she won. So now it's banned to have any type of like public prayer mandatory. Oh, wow. In the public school system. So oh, she, wow. yes, big changes. There's supposed to be separation of church and state. And she fucking saw that and said, that's not that people like, come on. And then after that, she went on to money and shit from it. And she went on to create the American Atheists, which is a nationwide movement which defends the civil rights of non-believers, works for the separation of church and state, and addresses issues of First Amendment public policy. And she even got interviewed by Playboy magazine. Yes! And I had to take this excerpt because I wanted to die when I was reading it. Think of a Texan woman, a straight-up blonde-haired woman from Texas. Like I'm picturing Dolly Parton, even though I think she's from, like, Tennessee. Yes. Similar. Similar. Very thick accent. Yeah. Saying this shit, I died. I literally died. give me your best southern accent. I do not have a southern accent. Come on, I got one. I got one. Where is it? Okay, I'll read it. So this, this is the shit she said. It starts right there. The American male continues to use her sexual... Oh, no, no, no. Continues to use his sexuality for one thing. A means to an end of his own ejaculation. Uh I'm not saying that all American men are this way, but nine out of ten are breast fixated (laughs) wham bam, thank you ma'am cretins who just don't give a damn about anyone's gratification but their own. If you're talking about intellectual and societal equality for women, which we're not much better off. I mean, we're just beginning to break the ice. America is still very much a male-dominated society. Most American men feel threatened by sexuality unless they're taller than the female, more intellectual, better educated, better paid, and higher placed statue-wise in the business world. Well, they've got to be the authority. The final word. She's a sassy lady. I was harsh, She's a sad, like... Brought it all out for that one. It was good. She was obviously very outspoken, didn't Mm -hmm. give a fuck what people thought about her, and she became the most hated woman in America. Okay, wait, doesn't this circle back to MFM when we talked about in the beginning? Because they talked about, didn't they call her the most hated woman in America? Yes. Who went missing? Okay, yes. okay, okay, yes. that's what I remember. Because that was a title, a legit title given to her mm-hmm. by, like, some, I, I want to say it was Time magazine, but I'm not sure. Oh, Don't quote me. Don't she started receiving hate mail, death threats. This one's fucked up. A person killed her son's cat. <laughs> yes. <sighs> And then stoned her house just because she was speaking out against men, against the church, and didn't pull back about it. People were fucking pissed. So then on August 27th, 1995, she's old. She's in her 60s now. Okay. You have to think about, like, this is years after her That's big That's not mo- old, Grandma. That's not old. <sighs> Don't worry. Her son, John, her granddaughter, Robin, and Madeline all disappeared from their office in Texas. There was this weird typewritten note saying that they were out of town on business and did not know when they would return. And that's all. It was just super vague. Suspicious. It looked like they left in a rush. Their office was like really, you know, like looked like they left things. They had police search their house. It literally looked like they left mid-breakfast. Like there was like food just like left. Like they got up and ran. Even weirder, the three of them 
them made weird phone calls at different times to different people throughout like the first couple weeks being like, oh yeah, we're out of town. Like we're just going to do some, some business in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Like, well, but then whenever they would be asked about when they would return, they would get, wouldn't really get any answer. Yeah. So then for a full month, so from August to September, all the staff at American Atheist, which is their organization, received only calls from John and Robin, not Madeline. And just talking about random stuff, catching up, just being super weird. But they thought that their voices were always like strained. And of course, the FBI gets involved because it's such a high profile thing because she's so famous. And then the IRS gets involved because of the whole like worry thing about the money laundering right. and the shit like that because she had offshore accounts and she was setting herself up for some good no times doubt. in retirement. Yeah. Then they find out that all this large, like these large sums of money were being withdrawn and credit cards were being maxed out and all this stuff was happening and that's when they were like no something's weird (laughs) and then they find out that it's this dude david roland waters he was an ex-felon and he used to work for the organization he was found guilty and is sentencing life in prison and actually led he dismembered all the bodies he killed them maxed out all their shit all their bank accounts everything then killed them dismembered them with a chainsaw and then buried them on some weird ranch in oh. Texas yeah wow and if you want to see a really loose dramatized movie there is one on Netflix called The Most Hated Women in America it's free to watch apparently you'll learn some things the first atheist monument was erected on American government property in Florida. And that was, you know, because of her organization. So they did a lot of stuff and they're planning on doing 50 more monuments around the U.S., which is cool. Very cool. And atheist feminism has also become more predominant now in 2010s. We're now in the 2020s, but I'm sure it's just going to get, you know, more predominant. 2012, the first Women in Secularism conference was held and Secular Women was founded in 2012 as well, which is the first national American organization focused on non-religious women. So specific to women who are non-religious. The mission of Secular Women is to amplify the voice, presence, and influence of non-religious women. Yeah, this is this is it. The atheist feminist movement, it's become increasingly focused on fighting misogyny, sexism, and sexual harassment within the atheist movement itself. That was really good. All right, I'm gonna go. Ready? Tell me your stuff. <laughs> Now you just get to smoke and drink this time. It's nice. I can just sit here and comment. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you a little story. So the topic that I chose to kick her off in this pilot episode is modern medicine's inherent roots in witchcraft. And I figured this would really excite you. Because I'm a witch. Because you're a fucking witch. Now, the main source that I use, which is important to talk about a little (coughs) bit, uh, was originally from one of the first online memory holes. Do you know what a memory hole is? No. I'm going to be honest. I creeped a little bit on your topic. Okay. Well, I thought And I saw a memory hole. You would know because haven't you read 1984 by George Orwell? No. You haven't. It's, did I, did it's been sitting on my... <gasps> oh! So you haven't read it. And then okay. Clint was here and he saw it and he took it back. Because okay. isn't that Clint's favorite so book? So it is. It is my boyfriend's favorite book. Uh, yeah. It could honestly be a topic by itself, but just a brief breakdown for you. So the okay. original memory hole, which I read about in our on our beloved Wikipedia, Yay. is any mechanism used for the deliberate alteration or disappearance of inconvenient or embarrassing documents or 
or photographs or transcripts or literally any other records, like from a website or other archive, in order to give the impression that something never happened. The concept was first popularized by George Ordwell's 1949 dystopian novel, 1984, where the party's Ministry of Truth systematically recreated all potentially embarrassing historical documents and in effect rewrote all of history to match the fluctuating state propaganda. <clears throat> oh, Sound familiar? Can I, like maybe can I <laughs> clarify to make sure I understand what's happening? Yes. So basically they killed anyone out that could tell history, killed, got rid of all the the documentation of history yes remade the documents yes. and then anyone that spoke out against them they murdered them so then eventually it was just a world of people that thought whatever the government said was true basically the changes that were made were in theory complete and undetectable but the memory hole in my case in the case of this source was a website launched in 2002 which is where my source was pulled from any fucking way the feminist press was first published it first published the piece witches midwives and nurses a history of women healers okay at the city university of new york in 19 like 73 i believe in it two women named oh in the wait this the was 1900s? first published in 1973 yes okay this was first published this oh, okay. paper oh the paper okay. that was this... my main source yes got it entitled witches midwives and nurses a history of women healers yes um so in it two women barbara einrenreich and deidre english they take a deep dive which is what we all know is like probably a little bit more so than what we're doing because yeah. deep dive is like deeper than what we're doing yeah. we're just like drinking we're like smoking yeah and like a brief overview and having opinions yeah. and stuff. So yeah. they take a deep dive into the roots of women in the healthcare system and how it became such a male-dominated shit show. Ooh. Naturally, its ties to the ancient practice of witchcraft makes this entire topic memory hole worthy. And so Ooh. I'm taking a leap and guessing that you haven't heard about the true origins of what we call healing today. Okay, so I'll emphasize that I'm referring to the Western practice of medicine when I refer to medicine, or a Western practice of healing when I okay. refer to medicine from this point on. Yeah. Even though in its earliest days, this term umbrellaed everything from Western to Eastern to shamanism and all other okay. alternatives of medicine yeah. you can think of. But right now we're just focusing on like right Western now, culture. Western. Yeah. Going back to the first records of human settlers, we know or should know that women and men were gradually split into, were generally split into two classic categories, hunters and gatherers. Yeah, yeah. Men hunted during the day while women gathered supplies, food, and other herbs and plants. Women yeah. at the same damn time acted as the pharmacists, the doctors, yeah. the teachers, the cooks, and the midwives. Yeah. To many early cultures, yeah. this meant that women were closer to God than men, for they oh. could create life, yeah. sustain life, and heal those in jeopardy of losing life. Can we say also take it away? Hey, <laughs> truth. It's and true. take it away. Well, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. No, we can definitely. That's in jeopardy of losing life. That's what I was implying. Damn. Damn. But understand this. The takeover of medicine by men was not due to the lack of women in the field, okay? Women were plenty into it. But as time went on, the stigma grew because men continued to feel left out and threatened by the lack of knowledge that was passed down to them as opposed to 
to the women. Because, you know, women do that. They teach other women. They empower other women. They raise daughters. They train new and shit, sometimes even old generations, how to take over when they check out. That's because women are fucking planners. We know what's up and we think ahead. But men, no, men don't think like that. When civilizations rolled around, more formally between, oh, I don't know, the 13th and 15th centuries, it was straight up forbidden for women to study medicine. They were banned from lecture halls and universities as medical schools began to pop up all over Europe. A direct quote that I couldn't help but include states that the stakes of the struggle were high. Both political and economic monopolization of medicine meant control over its institutional organizations, its theory and practice, its profits and its prestige. And the stakes are even higher today when total control of medicine means potential power to determine Determine who will live and will die, who is fertile and who is sterile, and who is mad and who is sane. And with this rise of the medical profession in the midst of constant multicultural revolution, we cannot not talk about the church, which is what you brought up in your little, uh, little tale. Damn. Ah, the good old church. Catholic, Protestant, Lutheran, you name it, they've got their issues with women in power. Yep. The men of early churches monetarily and publicly supported kings, princes, and many other male government officials as they began to decree what was considered proper and regulated medicine. This led to the massive genocide of female healers who the church had another word for. Wait. Witch healers. No fucking way. This is a hybrid <sighs> term derived originally from the term folk healer. A folk healer is an unlicensed person who practices the art of healing using traditional practices, herbal remedies, and even the power of suggestion. A folk healer may Damn. be a highly trained person who pursues their specialties, learning by study, observation, and imitation. In some cultures, a healer may be considered to be a person who has inherited the gift of healing from his or her parent. For example, the ability to reset bones or the power to stop bleeding may be thought of as a hereditary power, right? This is so fucking cool. In the eyes of the church, however, all the witch's power was ultimately derived from their sexuality. Of course. Not only were witches persecuted and slaughtered at alarming rates for having a hand in basic village practices such as cooking and medicating, but they were also usually poor and illiterate, meaning that there's like zero record of what actually happened. Fuck that. But to the people living in the age of this witch hunting, what classified women as witches? Well, most believe it generally began with a woman fucking the devil, and thus (laughs) she automatically became an inevitable conduit of sin, shame, and evil. Oh my god! Such was the state of medical science at the time when witch healers were persecuted and executed for being practitioners of magic instead of practitioners of what they actually were, which was ancient medicine and healing. Yet, it was these very women who developed the first extensive understanding of bones and muscles, of herbs and drugs, all while male physicians are still deriving their prognosis from fucking astrology 
and alchemists who were over <laughs> here with their dicks in their hands playing with lead and gold. And still, Shut up. witches are accused not only of murdering and poisoning, sex crimes and conspiracy, but also of helping and healing. The church had issues with these women helping and healing the poor because their main priority was the rich. And with this, the divide worsened between men and women, between the poor and the rich, between the healers and their successors. But here you also want to understand what men are doing in medicine at this time. Still doing shit like bleeding and leeching. You ever heard of that? Yeah, that's where if you already have a wound, they will actually give you another wound so that you can bleed out the impure blood that may be causing your initial affliction. And leeching, well, come on. I mean, we all know what leeches are and I'm trusting y'all to connect the dots on that one. But so those are just a couple of examples of what men are doing right now, like at this particular time. Like they don't know what the fuck's going on. Oh my God, I'm so high. Okay. Call them off. Back in it. So our ladies, Barb and Deidre, our main source, they say that so great was the witch's knowledge that in 1527, Paracelsus, I want to say that spell it, Paracelsus, Paraclesis, Paracelsus. Paracelsus. Somebody chime in on that yeah one. someone paracelsus i'm gonna say who was he was the quote pioneer in several aspects of the medical revolution of the renaissance who and okay. he emphasized the value of observation in combination with received wisdom okay. apparently sometimes called the father of modern medicine this dude he fucking burned his own text on pharmaceuticals okay because Wait, he i'm confe- sorry what because he he confessed to everyone that he learned from the sorceress all he knew. He legit admitted to the public and to the church that he learned everything in his books from witches. But this pissed off so many people in Europe and triggered even further segregation of women from most aspects of the medical world. And sadly, it was easy to keep women out of this profession. Women were being suppressed in so many other aspects of daily life that the fact that they were forced into more menial medical field related jobs like receptionist, clerk, maid, and dietary aid, it didn't really surprise anybody. Flash forward to today, and women still hold the majority of these jobs. 93% of the doctors in America are male, and yet 70% of the medical field is made up of the female workforce because women were not allowed to become university-trained physicians. So they were ironically forced back into becoming alternative medicine, the very witchcraft that triggered the divide in the early 1300s. So is it accurate to say that also a large majority of that 70% are like nurses and lab technicians? Most of them are nurses, And things that like women do. Still though, witch hunts never fully abolished the lower class woman healer, but instead branded her forever as superstitious and possibly malevolent. As time pressed on, women found themselves at home more and less career driven. So now we add that to the men forcing women out and bam, you get female nurses and midwives, but very few female doctors. And in state after state, new tough licensing laws sealed the doctor's monopoly on the medical practice. All that was left was to drive out the last holdouts of the old people's medicine, AKA the midwives. In 1910, about 50% of all babies were being delivered by midwives, most of whom were 
were black or working class immigrants. And this was an intolerable situation to the newly emerged obstetricial specialty, aka OBGYN yeah. in layman's terms. <laughs> uh, for one thing, every poor woman who went to a midwife was one more case not patient, lost academic teaching and research. America's vast lower class resources of obstetricial teaching material were being wasted, quote unquote, mm. on ignorant midwives. And even worse, poor women were spending an estimated five million a year on midwives. Five what? million, which could have gone to professionals. Oh, and what about God. nurses? The only remaining occupation for women in health was nursing after all of this. And nursing, if you can imagine, hasn't always existed as a paid occupation. It had to be invented. In the early 19th century, a nurse was simply a woman who happened to be nursing someone, like a sick child or an aging relative. There were hospitals, yes, and they did employ nurses, but the hospitals of that time served largely as refugees for the dying poor, with only minimal care provided. History often documents hospital nurses as a disreputable lot, prone to drunkenness, prostitution, and thievery. And conditions in the early hospitals were often scandalous. For example, in the late 1870s, a committee investigating New York's Bellevue Hospital couldn't even find a bar of soap on the premises. Okay, I've heard, if anyone listening has not heard about Bellevue, have you? Oh, look it up. Like, look that shit up. It's fucking wild. Fast forward to now, in 2020, despite its inherent roots in witchcraft, medicine and healthcare are run as a business rather than a sanction of healing. Mm -hmm. And women have not been passive bystanders in the history of what we call medicine today, obviously. The current system was created and subsequently defined by the competition between male and female healers. To women, this proves that the sexism of the healthcare system is not incidental. It is not just a reflection of the sexism in our society in general, or even the sexism of individual doctors, but rather it is historically older than medical science itself. It is deep-rooted institutional sexism embedded in a crippling fear of the unknown. There is no historical consistent justification for the exclusion of women from healing roles, which is were attacked for being pragmatic, empirical, and immoral. But in the 19th century, men reversed this rhetoric. Women were now too unscientific, too delicate, and too sentimental. Oh the point being that the stereotypes change to suit the male convenience. Yeah. But women do not. And there is nothing in their oh, inherent yes. feminine nature, quote unquote, yeah. to justify their current continued subservience. So I'd like to wrap up with a direct quote from the conclusion of my source, which is this. Our oppression as women healthcare workers today is inextricably linked to our oppression as women. Nursing our predominant role in the health system, is simply a workplace extension of our roles as wife and mother. The nurse is socialized to believe that rebellion violates not only her professionalism, but her very femininity. This means that the male medical elite has a very special stake in the maintenance of sexism in the society at large. Doctors are the bosses in an industry where workers are primarily women. Damn. Sexism in the society at large ensures that the female majority of the health workforce are good workers, docile and passive. Take away sexism and you take away one of the mainstays 
of the health hierarchy. Damn. So, and it's really... yeah. I wow. feel like... It's nice that we chose similar topics. I feel like it was really nice that they really go hand in hand. Yeah. Movements and, you know, the movements and women's rights and women's suffrages. It just seems like there's not the enough room in... Femi- like, I don't know. There's this thing of, like, there's not enough room in feminism for there to be medicine or for there to be atheism and it can just it can be the umbrella that encompasses everything yeah and i think that that was a a challenge that all of our predecessors faced in that thinking that they needed to give a hundred percent to one thing yeah you can give 25 percent here there and the other thing to believe in what you believe in because there's so many things to believe in now well and i feel like a lot of it encompasses just you know it all goes into the broader topic of basic human rights where there's just a large issue in the world not just in the u.s just like basic human rights for women for men for trans for whatever Whatever you identify as yeah whatever it is and just when you look at it there's people who don't get as many basic human rights as everyone else. I bet yeah. you didn't learn that in class. Probably you fucking didn't learn not. Any about that? No, because no. who wants to learn about witches and people who don't believe in God and women? Heaven for fucking bed. Like no, we gotta listen to the white men. Yeah, because you know? they wrote history. Because they wrote history. Yeah. Amen. So now it's up to us to rewrite it. <laughs>